Hello, and welcome to episode 370 of the Juicebox podcast. Today's episode is with Tiff, and Tiff is from Australia. Tiff has so much what I call good energy, it may actually be more than a person is allowed to have inside of them, but she has trouble holding it all in. A lot of it comes out while she's uh, while she's talking, which was just 100% delightful. This was one of those conversations where because of the time zone change, I think it was the middle of the night while Tiff was recording and I was early in the morning. It's, um, I don't know how to describe it exactly, but she's terrific. And this episode is a massive amount of fun. Her accent, if you aren't from Australia, it'll take a few minutes, but you'll settle into it and you'll start hearing her really well. I mean, you got used to my accent. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. I don't think there's much left to say except maybe perhaps gird your loins. This is Tiff. I wrote this thing to you and I never actually remember what I wrote because I'm sure I just wrote about going on a trip to Europe and America, but I did I talk about, um, I didn't know what I, I was, that I was going to talk about. <laughs> so Tiffany, I'm not going to answer you until after you introduce yourself. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> this episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Omnipod, makers of the tubeless insulin pump that my daughter has been wearing since she was four years old, and by the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. Find out more about the Dexcom G6 at Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox, and you can get a free no-obligation demo of the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump sent right to your home by going to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Would you like to help support type 1 diabetes research and support the podcast at the same time? Well, the T1D Exchange is looking for you. If you're a United States citizen and have type 1 diabetes, or the parent of a child who is a United States citizen who has type 1 diabetes, go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. I just did this the other day. It took about seven minutes. I answered some fairly basic questions about Arden's type 1 diabetes, and now her information is being used to make advancements and improvements for people with type 1. This is completely anonymous, 100% HIPAA compliant, and a million percent a great thing to do. t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. Add your voice. I'm Tiff. I'm in um, Australia. I live in Wangaratta, and I've got type 1 diabetes. But that's not all of me. I'm also a parent. Oh, very nice. Uh, how many kids? I've got two children. They're two and three. Oh, you're just getting started. Good for you. Oh, no. You've allowed their father to stay in the home? We're all together? You didn't uh, tell him? Uh, no, no, yeah, he lives with us, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's still there? <laughs> yep, yes. Well, he's on a short leash. Let's just say that. Um, I, I'm sure he'll do something incredibly wrong soon. You'll be very angry with him, and that will be the end. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, daily, daily. <laughs> daily, right. So, Tiff, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to totally leave in what you said before you introduced yourself, because because of 
our geography and it is, you know, 10 a.m. where I'm at and midnight where you are. It's been difficult, obviously, to get to get something set up and more so than just the geography of us getting our time zone straight enough to make this recording. You and I have like gone back and forth a number of times and, you know, like almost had it happen. It was supposed to be yesterday. You, It was so great. You sent me a t- you sent me a message yesterday. You were like, is this happening in an hour or tomorrow? And I was like, well, it's supposed to happen in an hour. But if I'm being honest, I don't feel great. And if you want to do it tomorrow, we can do it tomorrow. So we're doing it today. So my point is, is we've gone back and forth a number of times. And then the first thing you said is, I forget why I said I wanted to be on the podcast. And what I was going to tell you, Tiff, is that I forget why you're coming on to- <laughs> because it's gone back and forth so many times. So why don't oh we just goodness. pretend you're on because you have diabetes, and then we'll figure the rest of it out. Does that sound okay? Yeah, no worries. Cool. All right. So we'll dig down. You know, we'll start by by doing this. So how old are you right now? I'm uh, – well, actually, it's my birthday. Well, it, it was really? my birthday until 15 minutes ago. Congratulations. <laughs> yes, I'm now 39. Well, happy birthday. Yeah, nearly 40. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thank you very much. Absolutely. That's exciting. It really is. So it's your birthday. You turned uh, 39 years old. But how old were you when you were diagnosed with type 1? I was 11. It was um, in, I think it was July. It was the day, it was Earth Day in July. So, (laughs) I mean, if there's an Earth Day, if it's, I don't know if it's a national thing or if it's an international thing. I've heard of it. (laughs) Yeah. So, <laughs> that so, was when I was okay, so 21, 31, and then we're going to go 32, 33, 34, 35, 36, 37, just 38, just 29. So 18, 28, 28 years, sounds like 28 years, right? That's right, yep. Okay, all right. And that, that math works in Australia or in America or anywhere, really. <laughs> yeah. I think math is pretty much the same worldwide, isn't it? You I know, hope I've heard it's pretty universal. Yeah. I mean, I've, I haven't been everywhere, Tiff, but my understanding <laughs> is that... Two plus two pretty much equals four everywhere. So 11 years old in Australia, um, you're outside, you're riding a wallaby, your mom calls you. What happens next? Yeah, so um, I was at school. I was probably about, probably took about two weeks for it to develop. Um, and um, we don't have wallabies running around the main street. It's nothing like that. Although I did go to school in a very small town called Queenscliff, um, which is on the coast of Victoria, um, down the bottom of Australia. Um, and uh, it was – sorry, my cat's running around. Um, and um, I'd been drinking heaps and heaps um, of water. Like, I hate water. Back when I was a kid, if right. you gave me water, I'd be like, hell no, I want Coke or Cordial or orange juice. And um, so mum knew something was up because I was drinking water mm-hmm. and I hate water. Yeah. Um, and I was, yeah, I was drinking an entire bottle of water before school. Then I was drinking an entire bottle of water before lunch at school. And I'd drink a whole whole bottle at lunchtime. And then I'd come, as soon as I finished school, I'd go back to my nana's house because my mum worked full time. Right. And um, I would drink another entire bottle of water at my grandma's house. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I'd, I'd go to the toilet numerous times during the night. Yeah. And this went on for about two weeks. Two weeks. And so I just want to, before we move forward after the water drinking, I want to say that when your cat ran around just now, if you would have just said, oh, I'm so sorry, my pet wallaby, um, it, it, it <laughs> took my attention away. I really would have been delighted. But that's okay. It's not It's not up to you to make the comedy. So um, 
<laughs> anyway, we so so okay, a ton of water drinking, not normal for you. And that was enough to make your mom go something's wrong with her? Um, yeah, but she had to wait till Friday because she wanted to have a long weekend and she didn't want to get time off, have to have time off work unless she absolutely had to. Oh, okay. <laughs> she waited till Friday. So, you, um, so your parents are like, look, there's something really wrong with her, but we cannot deal with it on a Wednesday. I just, like, <laughs> you need to, did anyone pull you aside and grab you by the shoulders and go, Tiff, listen, honey, you need to not die until Friday when we can go to the doctor. And this is, this wasn't because the doctor is on some safari trek from your house. It's just that your parents, parents just wanted to get to the weekend, make it easier. I understand this, by yeah, the way. Exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. Because, you know, you'd rather deal with a problem on Friday and then have the weekend to deal with it as well, if in case it's a sickness, and then go back to work on Monday and everyone, everyone's all good. I like it. So we, so our plan is, is, to man, is to diagnose, treat, learn to manage, and get back to life in about 72 hours. I like the uh, I like the upside of this. It, it's it's very um it's an energetic idea for you. They're like we can get this done. So so you're off to the doctor, is it just as easy as like hey, I've been drinking a lot of water and they say you have diabetes or how does that process go? Do you remember it? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was 1991 and um, I do quite distinctly remember because my mum would always be like you're going to leave the house, you got to go to the toilet before we leave the house. So, I went to the toilet. And we go to the doctors, and I was pretty much we sat down. Didn't I? Don't even remember think, think I sat down. I just went straight into the doctor's room, and um, she said, "Okay, I need you to do a wee in a cup." And I said, "I just went to the toilet because my mum tells me I've got to." Mm-hmm. And she says, "Okay, well, I've got this little machine here." She says, "I've got to take some blood and just pick, put your finger out." And I'm just like, "Okay, no worries." And that was my first blood test. Yeah. Well, and you've named the episode "Wee in a Cup," so you're all set. <laughs> I really, you guys do all the work. It's true. Uh, so he, your little finger stick, do you remember what you were? Or do you remember the feeling in the room when it happened? Oh, I was just sitting there going, what the hell, you know, maybe they've got to do this so that they can see what's wrong with me, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. and I can go back to, I can go back to school because I, I was ready for school because it was birthday. And I had my beautiful picture that I'd drawn during the week that I wanted to take to school and display and show everyone I was dressed in green because it was Earth Day, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm like, you know, this is going to just be, you know, this will be over by 9.30 and I'll be at school by 10. It'll all be good. Yeah, because in in, so in your life, Tiff, at this point, the only real, like, thing that's going on for you is just like an incessant thirst. There's nothing else happening that's got you thinking you don't feel well. No. And like, I mean, I'd lost weight, but like my dad tells me now that I had gone, um, like I looked like, I looked very, very skinny and my, my little, my face, he could see all the bones in my face, oh my um, which wasn't normal for me cause I was a chubby kid. Um, I, I, I put the weight back on straight away after I got diagnosed anyway, but you know, uh, <laughs> listen, I just looked at myself in a reflection and I thought there are bones in your face. How, how would I even be able to tell that under my cheek, under my cheeks <laughs> now? No. So, so you were pretty gaunt and it, it's funny. He, he knew it's funny because I didn't know when I looked at Arden until, yep. until she put a couple of pounds back on. And then I looked at a picture from the week before and thought, wow, how did I not recognize that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, but my mum, for the life of her, would never say anything like that because my mum was too busy dealing with everything else. So she's just a busy – do you have other siblings? Um, I've got one brother who's five years older than me. Okay. All right. And he kept her busy? Um, yeah. And she, like, he 
worked. So he was always, he worked full-time. My dad worked full-time. My dad was an interstate truck driver. So I was basically, I'd go to work with my mum in the morning and I'd go to school and I'd see mum before I went to school and then I'd see mum when she picked me up after work, we'd go home, have dinner and I'd go to bed. So I saw my mum probably, I don't know, four or five, four hours a day your parents maximum. Weren't looking for, your parents weren't looking for other stuff to do is what you're telling me. <laughs> no, yeah, they, no, they, they were, were just they working because... Busy enough, right. So Yeah, they were just trying to get ahead in life. Yeah, I understand. Uh, you start out 91, I'm assuming they gave you just... Was it needles or pens or how did you start? Um, it was just um, just pens. Uh, sorry, no, it wasn't. It was... Um, we had um, syringes. Okay. Back then, and um, the big, lovely insulin vials, and um, I had to learn how to draw the insulin out of the vial so I could have my injections. Yeah, so you're starting it. You're starting it just at go, right? There's no, you have no knowledge about diabetes whatsoever, and so you're starting with just here's how you get out of the vial. Now you're going to stick it into your arm, uh, you know, or your belly, or wherever you're going to put this. Did your parents become involved in? like the process of day-to-day management or was it pretty much on you right away? Um, my mother, she was in shock. She didn't understand. She did not like, she couldn't deal with it. And um, so I went straight to hospital because as soon as the doctor took my reading, I think it was in the 30s, like in Australia we use a different measurement as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was 32.5 um millimeters per megalitre or something and you use deciliters so your measurements are like I, I think it might be about 500 yeah I'm going to get, um, get my my graph up right now for this conversation I have one that I like to use in this situation here uh let's see but you know, so you were you were plenty high enough but um but you really only saw the the thirst for a couple of weeks right yeah, 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 it happened pretty quickly. It wasn't something that um, was going for months and months and months like some people. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you need insulin right away or was it? were you in a honeymoon situation where it was kind of like sometimes you needed it, sometimes you didn't? It was straight away. I went from, um, from no insulin to like I couldn't not have insulin. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's funny because I talk to some people now who find it so early, you, you know what I mean? Like so early yeah. that they, they can't even use insulin properly for a while because even having any kind of basal insulin running ends up being too much. It's, inter- it's yeah, interesting. Well, hmm. um, back in 1991, I don't think they even had the testing. I do remember at some point, like I must've been in high school and my parents went and had their very first blood test to see and my brother. Um, I should also mention my brother isn't my brother. He's actually um, adopted. Um, so we are blood relatives, but we're not actually brother and sister. Uh, so I do refer to him a lot. And I grew up with him in the same house, okay. um, calling my mum and dad, mum and dad. But they're just blood, rel- but, but just blood, not mum and dad by um, parentage. <laughs> All right, Tiff, hold on. You caught me on that one. I'm going to start over. So you have a mom and a dad in the house. Dad's a truck driver. Mom's there. Both of those people made you. Your dad? Yes. Okay. And then the your brother, who was five years older than you, was he a half-brother from your father or from your mother? 
No, not so at all. he's my not at all. No, he's my mum's sister's son. Mom's sister's son took him in. Yes, but adopted. Yes, him. um, yes, ah. essentially. And, yes, and he's still and he's a blood relative still because he's your mom's sister's son. Yes. Okay. Thank God we went through that because your initial expo- explanation made me think that you had um, that that cat had had mauled you and you were. <laughs> You were a rabbit at this point, and you didn't know what you were saying because you were like, "He's my brother, but he's not my brother, but he's blood related." And I was like, "Hold on a second, that yeah, doesn't make yeah. any sense." But that no, okay. it's um, it's an interesting situation. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, I I grew up knowing that he was my brother because he called my mum and mum mum and dad, but he's also my cousin. Yeah. So our like our his brothers and sisters would visit us, um, but they're they're his brothers and sisters, and they're not mine. Right. Because he's my cousin, but he's my brother because we grew up together. We, got, he was there before I was born. He was like the first, yeah. Um, he so he's, yeah, he's my brother. I have <laughs> such a big smile on my face because there's a part of me that wants to take those last twenty words and make them the title of the episode. Uh, but that won't happen. Don't worry. But I completely, <laughs> uh, Tiff. Oddly, I completely under I understand exactly what you're saying. And please keep in mind, it's late at night for Tiff. Okay, so <laughs> she's. <laughs> Okay, so you you grew up having a brotherly, sisterly feeling towards him because he was there. I have to ask, even though I almost, I'm upset at myself for wanting to continue with this, but why did he live with you, but his other brothers and sisters remained back with his parents? Um... Well, his mum was very young when she had him. So she had one son first and she was, I think, 15 or so. And um, my grandfather made her give him up. And um, they've only just been re- reunited last year. So that was um, – that he's now 45. Okay. Um, and my, then she had my brother. And her partner at the time was then killed tragically in a fire, I think. I think that was his dad. I don't know. They've all got different dads. Anyway, something happened to him, and she wasn't allowed to keep him either because my my grandfather wouldn't let her, and she wanted to have a life because she was she wasn't even twenty, so she just went, you know. I, there's part of me that doesn't even want to talk about diabetes anymore. This is fascinating. How oh. do, do you have any idea what kind of fire was it? Like in the home, or was he a firefighter? Um, yeah. It was not. It was in the home. He oh, had he was a smoker. He was a smoker, and he he oh my um. God. Sleep smoking. Tiffany, how many do you have? Like, do we even need to talk about the diabetes, or do you have like a thousand <laughs> other great stories? Is this an Australian thing? I need to know. Oh my, probably. <laughs> Listen, you get caught on that, like, like you got water all around you. It must make you a little crazy at some point. Like, you know, because really, without a plane, you're stuck there. You can't drive yeah. away from Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right, anyway, how do you how did you find growing up with diabetes? Was it something that bothered you, or were you pretty just kind of chill about it? What was your overall, you know, eleven to graduating from high school kind of experience? Okay, let's just take a quick break. Tiff has got, like I said, a ton of good energy, and she has not yet begun to talk. So, just need a second here, right? We'll we'll collect ourselves and. Get ready to keep going. While we do that, let's talk about what I consider to be the gold standard of type 1 diabetes care, Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor, and the Omnipod Tubeless Insulin Pump. Let's start with the Omnipod because it's easy. It's an insulin pump. It's tubeless. 
It's small and compact, easy to hide below your clothing, or you can wear it out and let everybody see it if you want to. It's completely flexible. And flexibility is what you need when you're managing type one. You're going to have the flexibility to bathe without taking off your pump, to swim, to play sports with other people if they ever let us do that again, uh, to go outside for a run, to do everything that everyone does in life, except you get to do it without being connected to a bunch of tubing or having to take off your pump and watch your blood sugar shoot up because you don't have insulin. You just get to keep the Omnipod on. It's small, it's tubeless, it's easy. And they'll send you a free, no obligation demo. So you don't even have to take my word for it. You get to try for yourself. MyOmnipod.com forward slash juice box. Take you a couple of seconds to put in the information they need. And by they, I mean Omnipod. And they'll send you off right in the mail and get you going with that free, no obligation demo. It's well worth your time. Now, the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor, this is another thing that I don't know how, I don't know what I'd be doing without it. Showing my daughter's blood sugar, speed, and direction without a finger stick, that in itself is just stunning. Arden's sleeping right now. It's early in the morning. Let me tell you something right now. Her blood sugar is 101. As a matter of fact, I'm helping a young man named Joe right now, and Joe's blood sugar's 111. And Arden's friend, Yanni, her blood sugar's 70. I can see all of that on my cell phone. Right here, holding it on my iPhone. If I had an Android, I could do the same thing. And you could as well. You could see the direction and speed of a loved one's blood sugar on your device. More importantly, you could share that information with up to 10 people. Say you're the one wearing it, an adult with type 1 diabetes, and you just want, I don't know, uh, your partner to know. That's doable as well. This thing's going to give you alerts and alarms that you get to decide on to let you know when your blood sugar is leaving the range that you've set. Arden's range is from 70 to 120. She never gets too low or too high without us knowing that it's happening so that we can make good, well-considered decisions about insulin and carbohydrates to keep her from bouncing all over the place. So sure, the Dexcom's great for safety and sure it'll wake you up in the middle of the night if you get low, but there's so much more that it'll do. Find out more about those things at Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. While you're there, go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box, get yourself a demo pod and just why don't you just make it a trifecta? T1DExchange.org forward slash juice box. You can help improve knowledge of type 1 diabetes, help accelerate the discovery and development of new treatments, and generate evidence to support policy and insurance coverage changes that can and will help people living with type 1 diabetes. It's completely anonymous, totally safe, 100% HIPAA compliant. T1DExchange.org forward slash juice box. All these links are in your show notes and at juiceboxpodcast.com. All right, Tiffany's about to take off like a rocket, so get ready. So how did you find growing up with diabetes? Yeah, so, yeah, my mum, she couldn't deal with it. She couldn't handle. Halfway through, I stayed in hospital until the Friday the next week, mm -hmm. and my mum just couldn't deal with it, um, and I... I was in there the first day, so I'd been in emergency, and then I went up to the ward, and a nurse comes up, like in emergency, I don't kind of remember what happened in emergency, but when I was in the ward, I distinctly remember a meal, 
and it must have been lunch. And the nurse comes up and she says, well, I've got to give you insulin. And I said to her, really now? Because I don't like needles. And she says to me, well, unfortunately, um, because you've got type 1 diabetes, you have to have needles before you have anything to eat. You're going to have to them a couple of times a day from now on. You know, it might be once, it might be twice, because back then there was only, I don't even remember what insulins are called, protophane and something else. I don't know. I can't remember because it was just, it wasn't, that wasn't what I need to know. There was more important things to know than names of insulins. I just need to know which was the cloudy one and which one was the clear one. Right, right. Cloudy was long acting and clear was um, short acting. Okay. But then I didn't make them anyway. I had Mixitard, which was a mixture of both of them. Anyway, that's beside the point. So, but that's the first time. But that's the first time someone said it to you. Like you, they were there with your food, and a nurse was like, "Hey, you're going to get injections every time before you eat from now on." And that you hadn't heard that prior to that moment. No, no, because wow. I'm. They maybe they must have given me an injection in emergency because otherwise I would have ended up. I'm assuming, like going back now and reading other people's stories, I should have ended up in ICU, but. I didn't, so obviously I wasn't in DKA, or I was, but they dealt with it differently back in 1991. I've got no idea. Yeah, no, of course. No, yeah, I mean, who knows how, why, what happens happens, right? Yeah, yeah. but I was on well, after after I left the hospital anyway. I was on Mixitard and I took two injections a day. But at this distinct in conversation with the nurse, and she comes up, you've got to have your insulin before you can eat, and I'm like hell no. <laughs> and she's like, well, I've got to do it to you. And I said, okay. I said, you, I'll do your deal. I said, you can do this one. And then the next one I'm doing myself because you are not touching me ever again with a needle. And that was it. Yeah. That's interesting. So, you wanted it in your control. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And that was it. So I took control of the needle and cause I knew if I did it, I could do it the way I liked and no one else would hurt me with a needle. I think that's a, that's a sound, a sound idea. And in, um, psychologically, it makes a lot of sense, too. Like, you know, if somebody's going to do this, it, it needs to be me. I'll figure out a way to do it that'll be best for me. And that way, nobody else can screw up and, and make it hurt. No, I'm with yeah. you. And, and yeah, so I was in hospital for a week. So my mum had come in every day. She must have taken, t- t- time, off she must have taken time off work because I do know that she came in during the day and she'd come in and she'd always burst out bawling. And then one time the nurse comes up and says, okay, so... You'd, your mum needs to learn how to give you injections. And I'm like, no way. <laughs> Listen, we're going to get that lady to a point where she's not crying before we give her the needle, right? <laughs> yeah, like. I, he, he probably wasn't crying by then, but he was just, she just was traumatized by the whole event. Um, and so my mum's just like, okay, if I've got to do this. And I'm like, he's not touching me with a needle. And they, they talked me into it. And I'm just like, you know what? Because I, 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 I was terrified. I would hate. I had to have bloods taken. I would look away. I'd stare at the wall. I'd, I'd sing songs to myself. I'd make up stories in my head because I don't like. Even now, when I go to pathology, I just I can't watch. I look at the wall. I take my phone. I play bands on my phone while I do it because I just don't want to see someone else sticking a needle in me. That's it but just do you freaks have, me out. But you don't have that reaction even now, like as an adult, when you're doing it, though. No, but I'm fine because it's me doing it. So yeah. I know exactly, and I've got to look at what I'm doing. But other people, oh, even on TV, I can't handle watching other people, <laughs> one person give another person an injection. But I can watch someone give themselves an injection. That's fine. No kidding. That's interesting. No, really. I'm just <laughs> really is interesting. All right. So, like, do you, are you still injecting now, or how do you handle, like, getting your insulin today? 
So, yeah, I was up, I was injecting up until um, my – I was pregnant with my second, my little boy. And so I got my pump. Oh, he – I must have been four or five months pregnant with him. So I've had I've been pumping for two and a half years, maybe nearly three. Well, that's crazy. So you injected for t- over 25 years? Yeah, I did, yeah. Right. And, and how, how did you uh, – what about glucose monitors? Do you guys – I know you yep. you have one. Do you have it? We've got, yep, we've got all different ones. We've got the same ones as you guys have. Um, we actually got the Libre before you guys did, so that's pretty cool. I saw that, yeah. And you use, what are you using? I'm currently using, I use a Medtronic pump. I've got the 640, or as you guys call it, a 630. Okay. Um, and I use the uh, the meter that goes with it, which is a, con, a context, contour next link. The contour next link, Okay. Yeah. And, and how do you like – I mean, you're, it's interesting because you did, you did injections. Actually, you're a really good person to talk about with us. So talk to about this because you injected for a really long time. Would you call your time injecting like successful for your health? You were pretty – you were doing well? Yeah. So yeah. before I fell pregnant with my first, um, I was taking um, – uh, what was I taking? I was taking Lantus and – Nova Rapid, and um, oh my 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 HbA1c was five point nine. Oh, just on injections, yeah. So it was pretty good. And I'd also just done a course called Daphne. Um, I think you guys, I'm sure you guys have it over there. Um, it's dose adjustment for normal bleh, dose adjustment for normal eating. And ours in Australia is called Oz Daphne because we're in Oz, obviously. But it's the same thing. Right. Um, and it's a course that was developed in Germany by doctors who saw the need to help diabetics to understand how to adjust their own insulin rather than having to wait three months for every doctor's visit to help their doctor to help them adjust their insulin again. And so like, they, came you know, up, how- they came up with this practice and you used it really successfully. Can you describe it a little bit? Um, yeah. So it's just um, you know, knowing how to carb count correctly. It's a five-day course, so you learn like how to carb count correctly. You do sick day management. Um, all the meals are provided while you do the course, and you just come into the the air of the way you're doing the course every day. And they have snacks and meals, and they have regular food. They don't have like you know, sugar-free. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, we have Tim Tams, and we've got yes, Tim Tams. Um, <laughs> Um, we've got, you know, jelly snakes and um, anything you want to eat, biscuits, all different kinds of biscuits, but everything's got a carb count on it so that we have to figure out how to do it without the assistance of the diabetes educator and the dietitian who are running the course. Wow. So people were so kind of frozen in the idea that I will live my life for these three months and then any adjustments that have to be made to my insulin or the way I'm managing things doesn't happen until I get back to the doctor again. And this and this was the idea of, no, you could do this, you could make these adjustments on your own. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was already kind of doing it, but I didn't do it. I was, obviously, I was doing it really successfully because before I did Oz Daphne, my, my HbA1c was also 5.9. Yeah. Um, I did it probably six months before I fell pregnant, um, and I so I'd been doing, uh, but I hadn't been doing a, a very successful job because I would have like major hypos and stuff, but never anything where I went, 
unconscious um, except like many years before that. Um, But I did kind of like look at things and go, that doesn't look like, you know, two portions. That looks like it could be like a bit more or a bit less and so I'd have a bit more or a bit less insulin. Yeah, that's – I mean, you have to. Yeah. I think personally, I mean, obviously you listen to the podcast. I, I think you have to make your adjustments like that. By the way, fell, yeah. fell pregnant is such a wonderful phrase um, because he, here you might say that you fell ill, but like that, the idea of, of fell is like, you know, it's, you know, you've been overwhelmed by something unpleasant and to say like fell pregnant is just, it delights me to no end. I really am. Well, okay, then I became pregnant. No, 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 no. I just, please, I'm not, I'm not correcting you. I'm telling you, you're making me happy. I just, every time you say it, I'm like, that's, I also enjoy, um, what is it? Uh, something like you guys talk about going to the hospital, but you don't say go to the hospital. You say, what would you, what would you, no idea. Yeah. See, isn't that funny? You don't even know what you say. It's hilarious. I'll, anyway, <laughs> fell pregnant. You've just made my whole day is all I'm saying. And so, so you're five nine. You're doing fantastic. You, what made you take the course, by the way? Even though you were five nine, did you just think I could do better at this, or did something they made you do? Um, because well, uh, before I did the Daphne course, I had been um, I had the same the same endocrinologist, so the same endo for from the time I was diagnosed for twenty years, and then um, just before my twenty year anniversary. He says to me, oh, by the way, I'm um, going to move to Queensland and you're going to be seeing my offsider who you've been, because I used to see his offsider occasionally and then he'd just pop in. He said, I'm going to see this other guy called Adam. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> and so I had to make an appointment to see this new guy. And back then as well, I lived, at, I'd have to drive 40 minutes to go see my doctor. And there were other doctors who were closer to me. And I just thought, you know what? Pfft, stuff him. I'm going to find a new endo. But I never did. So I was just going to the GP. I'd get new, um, get get prescriptions for more insulin. The doctor might occasionally get me to do a HbA1c, and that would be it. Um, and so I'd just go to a walking clinic and do it that way. Um, so I didn't have an endo for about four years, and then I was in Melbourne by that point, and I moved to um, moved up the top end of, up the top of Victoria to a little town called Benella which is near Wangaratta where I currently live. And um, I get there and I thought I need to find a doctor's surgery and I found one and I go there and the, do- and the GP says to me, oh, you've got type 1. He says, okay, you can go see this guy called Robert. He's German, but he's really nice. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I go see Robert and he's not actually a, an endo. He's called a diabetes specialist because in Germany, Every single doctor, I don't know, this is what I've heard. So I, I'm just, I'm just, this is hearsay. So it could be true, it could not, I don't know. But apparently, allegedly, every single um, doctor in Germany has to do um, an entire um, um, semester or course unit or whatever on type 1 diabetes. Mm-hmm. So the Germans, they've got something going, you know, they, they, they're thinking type 1 diabetes, we've got to do something about this, obviously, because they came up with it with um, Daphne and they decided, you know, we've got, we've got to learn about type 1 diabetes. So they've got something going on there. Um, and I go see him and he's fantastic. I'm thinking, this, is, this guy's really good. Right. And he says to me, you've got to do this course. And I'm like, do I have to? Yeah, because I feel like I'm doing all right. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, look, look at this. Look at my HB1C. It's fantastic. Right. And he says, but this course, seriously, how, like, are you actually, do you actually know the carbs that you're eating? And I'm like, 
Yeah, kind of. Like the last time I saw a dietitian was probably like, I don't know, 10 years ago, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> and um, off I go to um, to do this course. And that was like a turning point. I'm like, I actually understand how to look at a recipe. And like, I love baking. So now I get a recipe out and I can figure out the carb count. I can divide it up and know exactly how many carbs are in every single portion of like a slice or cupcakes or a cake but just by weighing it now. And I never used to do that. I used to just go, oh, yeah, that looks like, you know, it could be 50 grams of carbs, but, you know, whatever. Just, so, you know, just wing it. <laughs> have you actually, with Daphne, have you actually improved on your 5.9? Um, no, I haven't. I was going to say, 5.9 is <laughs> really good. Like, I don't know how you're doing better than 5.9, but but um, <laughs> but, but it just no, gives, you, it gives you more comfort, right? You feel more kind of in control. You're not guessing. You feel like that. Yes, it yeah. gives me. And then because I did the course, I was like, hmm, because as I said, I'm terrified of needles. So the pump freaked me out because I didn't want to have a needle inside me all the time. That's like the only reason I was against getting a pump for so long. Oh, okay. okay. Um, and yeah, then um, I'm, you know, cruising along and my HBO1C went up to about, well, because I was pregnant, as I said, so I was 5.9 and then it went up because when you're pregnant, these things happen and things get harder to manage. And um, I ended up at like 6.2 by the time she was born. Mm -hmm. Well, it's not, that's not a terrible, I mean, that's not a terrible increase during a pregnancy for sure. Uh, yeah. But they, so let me say something. I, cause I'm going to forget because I am so just delighted, like listening to you. Like, I feel like this should just be your podcast and I should just sit here. Uh, but I, I, but there's this one thing you brought up that I think it bears like going over. So this happens to Arden a lot. Um, you know, she used to, obviously she's had type one since she was two and she'd go in and get her blood draws and, you know, she never flinched. And then one day, I don't know, she was like eight, nine years old and she was just up in the corner of the room, like, you know, like a cat trying to avoid water and, and, you know, d trying to get away from the nurse who was like, Arden, I don't understand what's going on. Like I've been drawing your blood for, you know, close to a decade. Like what, what just happened? She just suddenly couldn't bring herself to hold still for it. And she's gotten better over the years, but anytime that comes up, even if it's at the dentist, you know, where I'm like, look, Arden's going to be difficult to get numb because she really does not like the needles. Then the person will say, and this is, I find this infuriating and I try really hard to like educate them like nicely away from it. They're like, but she has diabetes. She must be mm -hmm. used to this. And I was like, why do you think getting stuck more makes a person who doesn't want to get stuck, like just forget about that? You, you know what I mean? Like exactly. you, you don't forget about it because you do it more. Like if I said to you, like there's, I watch boxing. Some guys don't apparently mind if they get hit in the face. You hit me in the face once, I'm going to be very upset. And if you hit me in the face 50 times, I'm not going to be less upset by it. It's just a very strange idea to say to someone, but you should be used to this. And and so you have diabetes. You're not allowed to have a needle phobia. You're not allowed to you – know, like that's just such an odd way of looking at it. And I think that does happen to a lot of people. They get that like, well, you're, you have diabetes, so obviously you should just be okay with this. And – you're not, you know, like it's just you're not. But it's it's really interesting about the pump idea. So what you didn't like about a pump was the idea that something would be inside of you constantly. How did you get over that? I heard of this thing called the iPort. Um, and 
I and also the Libre came out. So I I ordered a Libre online and it, it arrived and I put it on and it was like I didn't like the sound it made because it goes kathunk the little sort of thing you got to use and I didn't like that noise so that was part of the problem with the pump as well because I knew you had to insert and using the little sort of thing it's like I don't like that noise um anyway I put the the, the Libre on and I was like this is amazing I like this Libre thing so I'm looking I'm walking around like scanning myself constantly looking at my little meter going this is amazing I love this why didn't I do this earlier? And I'm like, hang on, if I can do this, then that means maybe I can do a pump. Right. And that's what got um, you there. That was your bridge to it then. Yeah. yeah. And then I got this thing called an iPort because Medtronic do like free samples. of. The, have you heard what an, of an iPort? So, I'm assuming you yeah, have. Yeah, it's not. so that you can eject without putting the needle in, right? Like it's this, it's a port. It's a port that you use. Then you inject into the port instead of into your skin every time. Yeah. So that was kind of like, so I did the Libre and then my, my, my um my um what's his name my diabetes guy rob um rob he says to me sorry i'm i've i've just gone blank for a second then he says to me um okay robert he says okay tiff so why don't you see how you go with this and i'm like okay so he said go visit my de next door and so I go see her. She's also a type 1 diabetic. Oh. Um, and she she talks to me a little bit about it. And I'm just like, I'm terrified of the noise. And she's like, that's okay. She said, I'll, I'll show you how to – I'll do this one. And then you've got another one in the box. And you can do that later on if you want at home. So I put it – she put it in for me. And I didn't like the iPod. It was horrendous. It really irritated me. I just couldn't handle it. Um, and then I figured out I don't like putting sights on my tummy. So – because that, that's where I put it. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, okay, that's that's a no-go zone. But anyway, um, and then I put the second one in and I'm like, that wasn't so bad. So I organised – in Australia as well, you got to have private health insurance to right. get pumps. Right. So I organised by private health insurance. And um, my next visit, I said, okay, yep, I'm ready to do this. And I said, oh, and by the way, I'm also pregnant <laughs> with my next one. I fell pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> completely didn't want to, but anyway, they're only 17 months apart. Um, not planned. Anyway. <laughs> we just won't let your children ever listen to this, uh, but that, that's fine. Uh, well, what, what happened? All right, we're going to take a detour for a second. <laughs> did you go to a wedding and drink too much? What, what happened exactly? Like, how did you stop defending your uterus from this falling into pregnancy? Uh, uh, just... <laughs> <laughs> uh, after you have a kid, you forget. You don't. You forget to take your, you know, your tablets every now and then. So. <laughs> That's, That's why. I swear to God, I don't know what we're talking about. I'm having a great time, and I, I, just, uh, I'm, I'm, I must be. I'm very fertile, obviously, because I, yeah, I just, I before I had my first, I also had a miscarriage. So, and that didn't take very, very much effort either. <laughs> take for, <laughs> wait, wait, hold on. The pregnancy or the miscarriage? <laughs> what didn't take very much effort? Getting pre- pregnant. Getting pregnant. I see. Getting pregnant in general. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> wonderful. You're wonderful. I'm so happy we're doing this. Uh, <laughs> hold on a second. I have to pull myself together. Give me a half a second. <laughs> okay. All right. Mm, we're good. Uh, my favorite part so far is that Rob was German, but it's okay. He's nice. 
<laughs> well, my GP was also Indian. He was amazing. And then he went and moved to bloody Melbourne, didn't he? He took his family with him. So I lost him. <laughs> Look at this guy trying to upgrade his life with no concern for you whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> he was like the best GP I ever had because okay. he, he didn't try to try to take my diabetes away from me and, you know, tell me that, you know, I'm silly because I'm doing this and that, which is what most of the GPs I ever saw did. Okay. And, yeah, anyway, he moved away. Yeah, but, but he but yeah. he gave you real freedom and and respect <laughs> and respect, right? Not not freedom because he left you alone, but <laughs> but like freedom and respect with your type one. Like he he yeah yeah. That, that, I think that's that's really important. So yeah, yeah So yeah. curse curse him for leaving. Um, let's yeah. let's hope he felt. Let's hope he falls on something, right? Um, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. yeah anyway, uh, is your how involved or not involved? I want to get back. You know what? Hold on. Where do I want to go with this? I, here's where I, here's where I want to go with this. You're really interesting with like, I don't want it on my stomach. I don't like the way it clicks. I don't want to do that. Like that's real. Um, that That's sort of different stuff than you hear people talk about all the time. Do you have, do you have that with other things? Like, are there other things in your life that like you don't like the way they feel or don't like they, like when I go clothes shopping, if you watch me walk through a place with clothing, I'm touching everything constantly because yeah. if I don't like the way it feels, I wouldn't even care what it looked like. And no, yeah, I'm, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's me. You, yeah. you have a little bit of that tactile thing going on because yeah. because a port on your stomach's not okay, but you can put it somewhere else? Mm-hmm. Yes, I can. Interesting. Oh, you are very quirky. I like that. That's excellent. And and But I think it's important to talk about because I don't think – that for the people who that affects, I don't think we talk about that quite enough, right? Like yeah. that that you, there's this great technology, but what if it just is in your head all the time, or you can't take the clicking or the or the other stuff that comes with it? But you have been able to kind of overcome everything. You found a way around most of your roadblocks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, would you tell other people? to press on would you tell them to follow their heart like where when if something bothers them just give up or what, what do you think what do you think ended up being the i don't know the right path for you well it's more the matter of just you know looking around and just seeing what your options are like so it took me 25 years and then the libre to go i can do this thing now like before then it was it terrified the hell out of me um and then yeah the libre was the turning point it's just a matter of just, you know, seeing what's happening, keeping up with what's what's going on with the diabetes um, industry, yeah. um, the map for the companies that manage what we have to do, what we can do to ourselves, and how we can manage our diabetes better. And they just might come up with something, and you go, "That's it. That's what's going to help me to, you know, get control of my diabetes." Like gonna- I don't think I've ever actually experienced burnout. Like I look back and I'm like, it was like when I was in high school, I kind of went, eh, whatever. But I still took my insulin and never stopped because I remembered what it felt like to constantly be thirsty and to just feel disgusting all the time mm-hmm. from when I was 11. And I was just like, I don't want to do that again. Yeah, that's interesting. I don't want to feel disgusting. And I've always had glasses. And I'm like, I don't want my eyesight to suffer because I can't see enough as it is. Like I can drive, but if my eyesight gets worse, then I can't drive. I don't want to not drive, right. you know, <laughs> well, no, I, and not be able to see. Yeah, I think that what you – what I just took out of what you just said was that when you knew what it was like to feel well, you knew what it was like to feel sick, and you were just trying to avoid feeling sick again, where I think that there's a possibility that when we 
diagnose young kids now and tell people like, oh, it's okay if your blood sugar is like 220 or, you know, 300 spikes fine. You are teaching that person's body to be, to feel normal at that range. Mm. And there, and, and that's, you know, that can be dangerous in itself to, to give you a normal feeling at a 250 blood sugar, yeah, you know, is, is uh, a recipe for like a long-term disaster really. So yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Cause I remember as a teenager having like my, my endo, he was quite old. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I thought he was old because um, he was bald. <laughs> <laughs> he probably wasn't that old, but bald he was bald. equals he old so. when you're a child. I agree with that. Yeah. That's fine. That's absolutely fine. And uh, he he would we would have arguments when I was in high school about my about what I was doing and how I was managing and stuff. And I remember like storming out of his office. Like this is after my mother stopped coming. Like I don't even know why my mother kept coming because you know she had no say in what was going on because she didn't want to be involved. Mm. But she would always come to doctor's appointments. Anyway, so we would have arguments. As soon as she stopped coming, it was like. This is my this is my job now. My mum is not here. That means I can tell him off and I can tell him that he's being silly and he's telling me that, you know, what he wants me to do is impossible. Um, <laughs> and, like, you know, my HbA1c would be, like, in the sevens and he'd be like, you can do better than this. And I'm like, look, this is what I've got to work with. If I can't do it with this, then I can't do it, okay? I'm doing the best I can. Right. And, by the way, did you notice my mom is not any help whatsoever? And so, you know, yeah. like, I'm really – so I'm interested – if you've ever had a conversation with your mom about this, do you have any idea why she was disconnected from it or why she couldn't kind of dive in or did she, did she fall asleep smoking and die in a fire and you don't know her anymore? I don't know exactly. I've never actually spoken to her about it, but I just, I I don't want to because when she asked me, like she's got type two now, she was diagnosed a few years ago Mm -hmm. and um, she says to me, Oh, so how's the diabetes going? And I'm like, good. And she says, have you had any hypos? And I'm like, um, I'm thinking in my head, well, yeah, I had one yesterday, but I'm not going to tell you that because you're going to freak out. And I just say to her, oh, no, nah, it's all good. You know, I'm just, you know, cruising along because if I tell her I've had a hypo, even if it's only like, you know, uh, a 3.9 or, you know, like a, just I'm just low 30, so 3.1, which would probably be like, I don't know. 55. 50, 55 or so, yeah. yeah my chart And right she'd now. be like, yeah, she'd be like, oh, my God, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, you know, this is this happens, mum. So you know? what, what I'm trying to figure out, because when we look at your, like, tactile stuff, like, I don't like the way it sounds. I don't like the way it looks, right? Because imagine, like, you, you said, I can't watch someone else give someone else a needle, even on television, <laughs> which, by the way, Tiff, is ridiculous because you're I not, know. like, right, because you're not actually there and it's not really <laughs> happening and it's all fake and everything. But But because it gives you that feeling, my question is, I wonder if your mom doesn't have something similar. And I wonder yeah. if, right, if ha- watching it happen to you didn't put her into a tailspin the way it does when you're watching an old rerun of ER on Netflix. And so and uh, that's yeah. what I'm trying to – that's what I wonder. And, and please, I don't want you to – you know, I'm sure your mother's an older person now. You don't need to have an <laughs> argument with her. But I was really <laughs> interested to know um, – if maybe that yeah. wasn't it, right? Maybe she didn't have her own kind of like issues and that was something she couldn't overcome. It's interesting. Yeah, it's, it is. It is actually. That's, I've never thought of that. That, that. that does actually make sense why she's so um, like, yeah, she, took, she was so disinterested in the whole thing. And oh my goodness, the blood test machine when I was first diagnosed. 
Yeah. Because she's, <laughs> we because, had a breakdown about that. Yeah, because Tiff, because by your explanation, she wasn't disinterested. And she's still not disinterested now because she's worried for you. You haven't yeah, been low, have you? Tiff, like, how's the diabetes? You haven't been low, have you? I'm worried that you're okay. So, yeah. I mean, I've heard – listen, I've interviewed people – who we've outright said it sometimes, and sometimes it's gone unsaid. Where I thought, "Ooh, your parents just didn't care," and like mm. where they were just like, "Huh? Well, that's for you to worry about, not me." Like that kind of yeah. thing. But your mom wasn't there. Like she tried to come to the appointments, right? Yeah, and 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 she still cares now. I mean, how old is she now? Um, sixty. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. 60. right? So, and she's still asking. She's asking you. So I think this is a. I think if we dig down, that's what's going on here. Does your dad have any weird yeah. stuff going on? Does he? Nah, no, no? nah. My dad's cool. He he says to me, "How are you going with everything?" And I say, "Oh yeah, it's all like I can I can be more open with my diabetes and with my dad because he's he's just like you know it, these things happen. Whereas my mom's always about the the other stuff. Just so the, my mom's about mom's you know stuff. like if I. Yeah, mum's mum's like you know if I had a car accident, mum would be like, oh my god, the car, and my dad would be like, are you okay? <laughs> the car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like you have to be like you know, have you got your insurance up to date? Like that's my mum's <laughs> first thought. Um, <laughs> Mom, my arm's falling off. Yes, yes, but have we told Allstate? Uh, so. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's wonderful. Well, I think that um, I was just speaking. You know what's so funny? I was just speaking about a mother's love yesterday on a phone call with an Australian <laughs> who wasn't for this podcast. Australia would just be a place on a map to me, but instead it's not because this podcast is incredibly popular in Australia. So, um, so I'm on the phone with a, an Australian who lives in America and we're talking about something and we were talking about like kind of the anxiety she was feeling around her kids' blood sugars. And I was like, see, that's like that mom's, that's a, that's that thing that's so wonderful. And yet sometimes it won't shut off. Like a mother's love, like, right? Like, like, you know, like it's wonderful because it's there and it's so present even throughout your life as you get older, your mom still feels that way about you. But at the same time, there's always this line where they don't seem to be able to like stop sometimes. And I I was telling her that we were, we had gone this past weekend uh, a few states away to watch my son play baseball. And it was the, and he's in college, but it was the day before um, a holiday. So he said, can I just come home for the night? And then I'll go back to school the next day. And we thought that was great. We hadn't been around. He hadn't slept in the house in months. And we were like, that'd be wonderful. So, you know, the kid, poor kid, gets up at 6 a.m., gets on a bus, takes a two-hour bus ride, plays two baseball games, then gets in our car and is taking a two-hour ride home. And he falls asleep. And his head is tilted to the side. And my wife says in the back seat, you know, and she goes, his head. And I'm like, Kelly, he's 19. He's as strong as an ox. Like, he's fine. Like, you know, like, they just leave him there. He's asleep and he looks fine and he's fine. Well, 15 minutes later, I see her hand come up from the backseat. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm trying to drive. She goes, his head can't stay like this. I'm like, Kelly, he's fine. Leave him alone. Right. But she couldn't, she could not overcome the feeling that that kid was uncomfortable. Like, yep, you, you know what yep. I mean? And so she starts nudging his head up and he wakes up and he's like, what's, what's happening? And I looked at her and I went, I told you to leave him alone. And so, <laughs> but, but, but there's something about, um, I'm not kidding. Like, I think there's something connected from women, probably straight from your, you know, straight from the moment you have them inside you until apparently till the very, very end of their life for a lot of moms. She couldn't see him be uncomfortable. And I was like, he's fine. She she couldn't. And she's a bright person. It's not like she was confused by it. She just couldn't overwhelm that. 
<laughs> so I'm I'm interested very much in what was so powerful in your mom's head that she couldn't overwhelm that to come help you with your diabetes. And I bet you it was something pretty strong. So that's all. Yeah, yeah. And I could be 100% wrong. Sense. I'm just the guy on a podcast. So I, <laughs> I, I might be 100% wrong. But it seems that way as we're talking about it. Yeah, anyway. nah, he's he's very – he's – yeah, he's loving and stuff, and he does he does worry a lot. Yeah, no. Since I'm also like you know the only blood like you know child by yeah. blood. Oh, and, she's gotta um, hold on to you. Yeah, your dad's still just a guy she met. Like you're yeah, you're her family, right? No, I understand. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so overall in in Australia. Um, what is it like, like you have private insurance, which I'm still even through a number of episodes trying to understand a little bit, but, but yet things don't cost a ton of money though, right? No, it's pretty good. We've got this scheme called NDSS, um, National Diabetes Service Scheme, and it's, it's funded by the government, um, through taxes and we pay, um, quite a substantial amount less for, um, supplies, um, and then if you've also got a healthcare card, so if you're on a low income um, or you um, or you're under a certain age, you also get discount an extra discount again on top. Um, but that's nothing to do with private health. Private health is only needed for pumps. Um, um, but CGMs um, are full cost no matter what, except. They've just changed government funding again for CGMs. Oh, good. And um, now uh, people who – women who are in preconception for six months, they can get CGMs for free. Um, women who are pregnant can get CGM for free. And when they're breastfeeding up until the baby is six months old from the due date um, for, free, for it's free CGM and they can get anyone they want um, – Libre is still not on the cards, though. I don't know why, but everything else is um, subsidised now. Um, also, if children are under 21 years old, they get free CGM. And uh, anyone who is hypo-unaware, this is only new, this whole this pregnancy one and the hypo-unawareness. So mm. if you're hypo-unaware, you have to have a healthcare card, okay. but your hypo-unawareness has to be very severe and you have to have had been um, hospitalised within the last 12 months. For, yeah. And you will also receive free funding for CGM. Gotcha. So I think um, it sounds to me, if I can have if I can have it six months, you called it preconception, which was fantastic. So six months before you, you're pregnant, right? Plus yep. the nine months you're pregnant and six months that you're breastfeeding. If you just have a baby every 21 months, you can have a CGM for free for the rest of your life. Bingo. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but you've, only got, you've got to be a woman. That's the only thing. Like there are lots of men who are very upset about this. Now, mm -hmm. the aim is that everyone gets CGM funding. But my issue, like I, I could, up until they changed the legis, they changed the legislation again. I was actually eligible to get free CGM because I'm a low income earner, and I have had episode. I look, but I haven't been hospitalised. I have had episodes where I've been, um, I've been had a high, a bad hypo. But that was last one was when I was pregnant with my first. How low was that? And she's three now. Okay. So. I haven't been hospitalized. I've had an ambulance called out, but I haven't been hospitalized because of a hypo, right. which means I'm no longer eligible. What my issue is, I would like it if they could say, instead of people getting free CGM, if everyone 
anyone who wants can get a CGM at like half price or at quarter price because that's how we do our medications. Like it's not fair for one one specific group to get it for free. Why don't we all just get – everyone just pays a little bit. If everyone pays a little bit, then everyone, the funding goes further and everyone benefits rather than just these tiny little groups. Right, right. Yeah, I – listen, that's – I, I look at college the way college is paid for in America, and I think the same thing. Like, how can my son be in a class with a kid who's paying, you know, a few thousand dollars a year to go to the same school that other people are paying tens of thousands of dollars? Like, what if we all just kind of, like, found the middle ground? You, you, you know, Exactly. Like, right? And that really would be valuable. And especially for medical stuff, to say that you have to be sickly to get something that could be used preventatively, yes. it just stinks. You, you know what I mean? You know? Yeah, with with the um, this whole new hypo unawareness thing and having to be hospitalised, this makes a lot of people. There's quite a few people who have written on Facebook groups about the fact that um, this means that people are going to run specifically low, so they happen. can get low, so they can have a have a hospital visit. So they're going to run low. They're going to get the ambulance to come to their house. They're going to go to hospital. So they're going to cause more strain in the healthcare system. And then free CGM. Because they want to see free CGM. Yeah. That's uh, it. And that stunt's going to go wrong for somebody, and somebody's going to end up hurt. And Exactly. Yeah, yep. You're putting people in a very weird position. And I also read a fantastic comment. It said, it's like bolting the doors to the stable after the horse has left. <laughs> and I'm like, that's, that's a really good analogy because, like, wouldn't it be better off? Because, like, my partner, he works away half a week. And so I'm I'm basically a single mum at home with two children by myself. Yeah. And it freaks me out. Like I've got I can get a CGM occasionally when I can afford it, but mm-hmm. most of the time I'm just running off um doing BGLs. I don't have a CGM. Yeah. So it freaks me out that one day my two and three year olds who have no idea how to use my phone because I don't like them using it and I don't want to teach them, you know, screen time stuff that they need to use my phone to play with games, mm-hmm. you know. And um they're going, to come, they're going to wake up and come into my bedroom and mummy's not going to be awake. And then they're not going to know what to do and et cetera. Freaks me out. Yeah, of course. And then because my partner's not home, like my parents live three hours away. Um, they live back in Melbourne, which is three hours from Wangaratta. And they're not going to know. Mick's not going to know because he's at work like an hour and a half away in New South Wales, um, which is a state above Victoria. And I'm going to be at home with these two children and no one knows. And it freaks the hell out of me. So I'm hoping <laughs> I've got a doc, I've got an appointment to see my um, my DE in a couple of weeks, and I'm thinking, oh maybe maybe just maybe they can like wrangle the paperwork so that I can just get it when I have to. Yeah, it's. I, I want think... to use it for any other reason. I do not want it. I, I would rather not have a CGM because I don't like having them stuck to me. I think they're bulky, but you know it's fantastic. Like as I said earlier, I was in hospital last week, and. I, my friend who just had a baby, she's breastfeeding. I messaged her and I said, I need your help. Can you please help me? And she came around to my place and she gave me three of her CGMs because she got them for free because she's breastfeeding. She was breastfeeding. And I'm like, I only wanted one. I didn't want three. And she's like, just take them. It's okay. He says, don't worry. He says, I've got them for six months. You can have a couple. It doesn't bother me. And I'm just like, you are a lifesaver. Yeah, so- and that's wonderful of her to do. And at the same time, it, it does illustrate like this weird 
dance that that these rules push people into having you, you know like yeah. she's breastfeeding so she gets some so she gives some to you because you're scared ben you can't get them because you haven't had a hypo that put you in the hospital but at some point she's gonna run out and then you know it's it's just i don't know the idea of medical insurance everywhere i hear the conversation is just very frustrating yeah, you know? yeah. And um, anyway, but my DE, she's really cool. She just had a um, – we've got an election coming up soon and she just spoke to um, the local federal member of parliament who's up for uh, who's up for a nomination. And um, she said, this is what I want to do. And she just – she told you what I just did about having everyone pay a smaller cost, a smaller um, cost amount, yeah. and then everyone can benefit rather than just having these tiny groups that don't necessarily – like it's not – it's going to benefit them, but wouldn't it be better if everyone had – a little bit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and no, and I understand there are going to always be people who can't afford it at all and that's fine, but there's, you know, listen, free is nice, but if you even could throw in 20 or $50 towards it and that would keep somebody like you from having to pay like, you know, 75% could get you down to 50%. Like there's gotta be a way where everybody sort of shoulders the burden a little bit. Cause I think, um, I can get subscriptions, but I think a box of um, a one box of five um, in light sensors from Medtronic is two hundred and fifty dollars. But I might be wrong. No, it's more. It's more because the Libre sensors are ninety five dollars each Australian mm-hmm. over here, and the actually, you know what? I'll look it up. I'll go to the Medtronic website. Give me a second. Yeah. <laughs> I'll look it up. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's, if everyone just pays a little bit, we'd all be better off. Yeah, as much as you can, right? Like, I mean, until it's not a burden and so that everybody's covered. It's just you, you, at some point they're going to stop treating this technology like it's a nice to have. And they're going to realize that for the people who want it, it's it's imperative. Yeah. But for oh, the, someone's selling on eBay for $350 for one box. Jeez. <laughs> My gosh. It's, yeah, it's just it's ridiculous. I'm I'm like you know just make it better for everyone. Just benefit everyone rather than just going hey you know if you're under 18, if you're under 21, and then hang on you know what when you turn 21 you don't have type 1 diabetes anymore because you don't need CGM. So you know we're just going to take them away from you. Goodbye. Yeah. Off you go to off you go to you know college, university, whatever. Until very recently in America, people um, like on Medicare would lose you know, would lose it when they needed it most, when they hit like 65 years old. Like, like when you really start needing this stuff, like really badly, then they're like, oh, you can't have it anymore because you switched insurances. You went from like your private to this, but they've gotten that finally figured out. But yeah, it's just such an interesting idea that, you know, certain ages need it more than other. Like, it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to be perfect. No, no. And like, yeah, the people who are retired, like the, you've still got type one diabetes when you retire. Like it doesn't go away. Right. How the hell are they going to afford to pay $375 for one box of sensors? Yeah. Like even the subscriptions, like the subscriptions are significantly discounted, but they still end up being like $250 every four weeks coming out of your bank it's account. a lot of money. Yeah. No, it's a lot of money. Even in Australia where all you really have to pay for is like snake venom and <laughs> like repellent and stuff like that and, you know, whatever it is. I mean, whatever it is you keep your, like, grass hut, like, clean with. Like, so yeah. I know that's not what your life is like. But anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> <all> right, Tiff, <laughs> we are up on an hour. I, I'm i going to resist the urge to 
to go back and listen to exactly how you described your cousin brother um, and use that. You can if you want. I don't no, mind. no, no. But you were fantastic. <laughs> I really appreciate you doing this. And, and I know how hard it was for us to get this together and, and do this. But I appreciate that you stayed steadfast and we got to this point. I really am. Um, okay. I was really excited to have you on. And I think it. I think I was right. Uh <laughs> I can always do it again because, like, I've got more stories. I've got when I went to America and Europe back in 2007 and my insulin got stolen in New York. <laughs> and wait, and then during the, during the, during the theft, <laughs> the person who stole it from you pulled out a knife and you said, that's not a knife, this is a knife, and you pulled out a larger knife, and then what happened after that? <laughs> oh, no, no, I didn't even realize until, like, the next day because I was too buggered. And <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. You were drunk when you lost the insulin? No, no, I was buggered. I was tired. I'd been oh, on a flight oh, for oh. however many hours. Okay. <laughs> oh my Time God. zones and all that stuff. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> oh my God. So you, somebody just lifted it off of you? All right, we're going to find out this one thing. Hold yeah. on. So you're, God, you, no. you get to America, and of, of course, someone steals from you immediately. Uh, yeah. And, but they well, took. It was the- what they the take? funny thing was the one, the funny thing was that I went to I went to America because I was doing a summer camp in um uh, uh what's it called Camp Starlight um uh, Lake oh now I've forgotten what the name of it was called um anyway it's on the like the, the border of New Jersey New York and Pennsylvania somewhere yeah. around that area and anyway, there's a lake there I'll and so like something or other I can't remember Lake Starlight I think the camp like that was the area. And the camp I was at was called B'nai B'rith Perlman Camp, which is a Jewish camp. Anyway, so I had to go to America. I go to LA to do my training for a day. Then I get on another flight and I go and I fly to New York. And then we land in New York and it's like midnight. Mm-hmm. And um, I get off the bus and I remember picking up my little bag, my little, my little refrigerated bag that had my insulin in it yeah. out of the bus. And I went inside to the, um, to the reception area to book to get my room. And that's the last time I remember having my little bag. Can't remember what happened to it after that. <laughs> so it's possible you lost it. Are you telling me this? It's possible it no. wasn't stolen? It definitely stole. No, because as soon as I realized, I went down to the reception area and I said, did you see this bag? And I described it and I gave and like, I had a picture of it. I gave them the picture and they're like, no, we didn't see it. All right. And I'm just like, oh my God. So how did you replace your, how did you replace your insulin being here? I rang up my insurance company and they don't replace they replace the cost in Australian dollars, not American dollars. Mm-hmm. And of course I bought them um they cost me thirty five dollars for a box five boxes of five pens. So I had twenty five pens. But I had I must have got a couple of scripts because I had more than that. That's a long time ago, two. huh? Yeah. So I had yeah, it was in two thousand seven. Um I was 27 back then. Um, wow. <laughs> 12 years since I was in America. Um, I had, I must have had two scripts. So I had like $70 worth of insulin and that's what they replaced. And my, I had um, Medicaid, these tablets I had to take as well at the time, which I still do take for blood pressure, like stupid. Um, I, yeah, anyway, they replaced the, the cost of that and that was it. And I'm just like, how the hell am I going to pay for more insulin? I'm in America. Yeah. And I, my insurance company, I was on the, in tears on, my, with, on the phone with my insurance company trying to figure it out. and They wouldn't help me. And so I ended up having to, like, ration how much I would eat 
and be very like that would have been like the worst control of my life. I was away for like five months. Wow. Um, and I had to buy I had to buy syringes. That's the other thing in Australia. We get syringes supplied for free. Any kind of we have to pay finger prickers, but apart from that, like we don't we get we get in, um uh and pump supplies you do have to pay for all your um consumables for the pump but we don't have to pay, we don't have to pay for um for needle tips and we don't have to pay for syringes okay yeah some stuff's covered and some stuff's not i had to buy a box of syringes and i was just like this is going to kill me luckily like at the camp though there was um a doctor because we had a it was a big camp so obviously there's a, an infirmary and the doctor and stuff and the doctor, I didn't have to pay and see a doctor because the doctor was there. Mm-hmm. So he gave me a prescription for insulin and I had to take a day off work and go to the chemist and um, I bawled my eyes out like that whole day. It was horrible just trying to figure out like how I was going to pay for this stuff and figuring out I needed, I couldn't buy pens anymore. I had to get disposable syringes and I had to get vials of insulin because it was cheaper than buying pens. Well, I think that that really, yeah, yeah. I think that really highlights just the stress and the pressure that people with type one feel when they can't afford whatever it is they can't afford that they need for their health. It's a very um, omnipresent feeling that just is it's overwhelming. You know, like this is the thing that keeps me alive, and now I suddenly can't afford it, and nobody's helping, and what do I do? And you know, and like luckily, like because I had a really good job before I left, and I quit my job because. They said they would only hold my position for three months. And I'm like, but I'm going to be gone for five months. I'm going to America and then I'm going to Europe. I'm going to go to New Zealand um, before I come home. And they're like, oh, no, sorry. And I'm like, well, if you're not going to hold the position for me, I said, well, I don't want to work for you guys anymore. So I quit. And um, You fell I, so unemployed. Yes, yeah, so <laughs> but I had all this money. Like, So I, bought, I got a credit card and um, luckily I got the credit card before I went to America. And, um, you know, paid for my trip and everything. And I had money to fall back on for when I came home. Okay. That money ended up being used to buy insulin in America. And so I didn't really have much spending money. So I spent the whole trip, like, feeling sorry for myself and having to go to TJ Maxx. And, like, you know, I want to actually, like, have something nice to – I want to bring back souvenirs. Right. Not just what you could get for the max for the minimum. Right. Which is – Yeah. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. No. Oh my gosh. All right, Jeff. This is it. I have to go. You've exhausted me. <laughs> <laughs> I actually I actually do have to go, but uh I really appreciate this and let me just say goodbye. Um no and, worries. and uh I'm gonna starting the recording back up real quick because I'm gonna do Arden's lunch bolus while uh, Tiffany's on with me. So okay. all right, let me just tell <laughs> so Arden um a little while ago was like, I'm gonna go get a bagel with a friend of mine at school so i think they split a bagel i've never seen the bagel before i did i did my i love bagels i love bagels like bread right and so she's like she's 179 right now and i've got her coming back down we've been bolusing um trying to you know we i missed on the bagel bolus the initial one yeah and we've been bolusing trying to get it back now so but now we're getting ready for lunch so now she's got to go to lunch so we're going to reset a temp basil increase of 95% for... We don't... Our bagels in Australia are nowhere near as good as the bagels I had in New York. Oh, and no. when I had at camp, oh, my God, they were amazing with locks and um, cream cheese. Oh, we, yum. We, yeah, I don't, I don't understand <laughs> how anyone, once they've had a bagel or bread near New York City, 
goes anywhere else and does it. Hold on a second. It was anything I liked about New York City with the bagels. I don't like New York City. It's not my favorite place at all. Mm-hmm. I could think of I would rather go to Pennsylvania and go to um, Philadelphia. I like Philadelphia. Yeah, it's Philly? Yeah. Yes. It's a good place. Uh, let's see. I'm going to do a 12-unit bolus extended 50% now and the rest over an hour. I have a lot of insulin going, so I'm trying to figure out how I can try to figure out how not to mess this up, basically. Sorry, I'm from distracting you from what no, you're No, you're not. I could, do, I could do this in my sleep. But, you're um, verbalizing. No, no. It's um, – wait. So let's go over everything. First of all, if you're not from the East Coast, you've never been to the East Coast, whatever someone's giving you a breakfast and calling a bagel is not a bagel, and I'm sorry for you. The pizza <laughs> crust you get is not good, uh, and anything really that's like – bread or flour you're being lied to by the people who are giving it to um there's a pizza place in new york city that also has a location in florida and they truck water from new york to florida just to make the dough oh wow that's insane how cool a tanker truck full of water drives from new york to florida and that's how they make decent pizza in florida Um, wow uh and the rest of you, I don't know what you're doing, Pizza Hut or something. You're if thinking. I go to Florida to go to New to go to Disney World, I am not going to eat pizza there. I would rather eat it in New York. Yeah, I'll so, remember that. Yes, cool. I mean you might find someone who can figure out how to make it, but the odds are it's just a it's a pale reproduction of something and just yeah. not nearly as good. I had a bagel once in Indianapolis. Yes. I was getting ready to get on a plane in Indianapolis and I was leaving my hotel and they're like, here, well, you know, what would you like? And I was like, well, I'd like to eat light because I'm getting on a plane. And they gave me this bagel and I started eating it. And I said, can I just get some fruit instead? And she's like, you don't like the bagel? And I was like, oh, you poor dear. This is not a bagel. I don't even know what this is. You, you know, I was like, but this is terrible. And please stop eating this. Get on the plane with me. I said, if you flew into where I'm going, got off the plane in the terminal but a terminal, like a like an airport bagel, it would be the best bagel you ever had in your entire life. You get back on the plane and fly back to Indianapolis. Anyway, um, Tiff, thank you so much. We're all good. I got Arden's bolus in. We did a temp basil increase, 95% for an hour. We bolus 12 units extended, did 50% now and 50% over another hour. And I think this is going to do it. So, uh, well, we'll see. Um, Good way. Thank you. I'm now going to go get on with the rest of my life, and you're going to go to bed because it is now 1.20 in the morning where you're at. Is that correct? Yes, it is. That is correct. Yeah. Thank, thank you very much for staying up so late to do this. I really appreciate it. No worries. It. Thank you. It was, good, it was good having a chat. Thanks for – I'm glad it finally happened after all the stumbles we had. <laughs> Seriously, it might have taken a year to get you on here. So um, <laughs> thanks again. I, I'm going to say goodbye privately real quick. Hey, hold on till the very end. I have an update email here from Tiffany if you're interested, but it'll be after everything that's coming right now. Huge thanks to me for not doing any bad Australian accents during this episode. And to Dexcom, Omnipod, and T1D Exchange for sponsoring this episode. Please go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox to get your free no-obligation demo of the Omnipod tubeless insulin pump sent directly to you. And learn more about the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. I genuinely think that it is at the core of every decision I make and that you would really love to know more about the Dexcom G6. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. You too can help with type 1 diabetes research while supporting the podcast. You can do a great thing for people living with type 1 and support your favorite podcast. I'm assuming this is your favorite podcast. Let's just let me believe that it is, okay? Anyway. 
t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. You need to be a U.S. citizen. Um, answer a couple of quick questions. Make sure you're eligible. As soon as that happens, there's a, about a seven minutes it took me to answer the questions they wanted. There was nothing insanely private. It was about like, what insulin do you use? You know, what, what shape were you in when you were diagnosed? Stuff like that. This information they use to do all kinds of great things in the world. As a matter of fact, some things that you don't realize happen in the world. Um, uh, Medicare covering CGM. That, that came from this research. Certain test strips being covered by insurance companies. That came from here. So they're changing how insurance covers supplies. They're changing how, you know, entities see technology. There's a lot going on here. It's the tiniest bit from you. And it has huge and wonderful ripples throughout the world with type 1 diabetes. I did it. Um, as a matter of fact, on the first day that my link became available, 100 people did it. But the T1D exchange needs thousands. So if you can take the time, it really will just take a couple of minutes. You can do it right from your cell phone or a computer. The uh, interface is very clean and easy to use. It's nothing about it is, uh, is cumbersome at all. If you can take that time, I, I think a lot of good will come from it. So that's pretty much it. I hope you give it a shot. T1DExchange.org forward slash juice box. All right. Just from editing this, I feel the same kind of rush I got when I was talking to Tiff. She was just amazing. I hope you had a good time today. I'll be back next week with more of the Juice Box podcast. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. And thank you for telling other people about the show and supporting the sponsors and all the great stuff that you guys do. Seriously. Oh, don't forget, too. Um, there's like 10 more days left. You can enter the giveaway celebrating 2 million downloads of the Juicebox podcast. Go to Juicebox. There's nothing to do, by the way. You just enter. You don't have to do anything to enter. Juiceboxpodcast.com. Up at the top, it says 2 millionth. Click on it. There's some talky talk there from me, a list of the swag from the giveaway, Juicebox Podcast sweatshirt, Omnipod t-shirts, Lily's chocolate gift pack, 30-minute consultation with Jenny Smith CDE for free, tons of Dexcom swag, tons of Touch by Type 1 swag, and uh, looks like there's just about you know, it's close to 2,000 entries. So, I mean, there's nothing to do. You just click on the thing to enter, and that's it. Not keeping your name, not keeping your email address. I don't get anything out of this. I'm just trying to give some stuff away and say, hey, thanks for downloading the show and sharing it with people. So if you want to take a shot at some of that goodness, head over there now, juiceboxpodcast.com, two millionth, a little clicky click at the top of the screen. There's a whole bunch of links up there, actually. Diabetes Pro Tip link, uh, the Best Endocrinologist link, those are the Juicebox docs. There's a list of the episodes. Oh, there's a link here to the free pirate, the free pi the free private Facebook group. Why did it take me three times to say private? That was weird. Signs and symptoms of type one diabetes. Oh, the new BG conversion chart for those of you overseas, right? And I've got something exciting coming soon to go with that conversion chart, but it's not quite ready yet. Anyway, it's a pretty damn nice podcast, and uh. I think the blog that associates itself to it is uh, also pretty well done, if I do have to say so myself, which I'm going to have to because there's no one else here and no one else gives a sh except for me because I put all this work into making it. Anyway, uh, goodbye. Oh, hell, I almost forgot the email. Wait one second. Jeez, I'm sorry. 
Uh, Tiffany, Tiffany wrote, Hey, Scott, loving listening to all the stories from everyone you have on the show. I was just wondering uh, if there was a scheduled date for my recording to go out. <laughs> Tiffany, you're delightful. This, by the way, is back in March. It's August now. Tiffany recorded this in January, and it took us a year. So it's going to take about two years for Tiffany to get on the podcast in total. But anyway, um, oh, there's been some updates to the CGM subsidy in Australia on 1st March 2020. It was updated to now include those who have access to those receiving assisted benefits from the government for low-income pensioners. Low-income and slash pensioners. Um, why am I being texted? People, leave me alone. I am trying to do something here. Oh, geez. Um, now I have to start over. March 1st. Updates now include those who have access to, um, wait, what is Tiffany? What are you trying to, Tiffany reading you is like talking to you. It's absolutely delightful. Uh, March 1st, 2020, it was updated to now include people who have access to those receiving assisted benefits. All right, Tiffany, you're losing me here. It seems like, it, it seems like. People who receive assisted benefits, assistance benefits from the government in Australia for low-income people or people on pensions. Uh, she says, this means since I'm a stay-at-home parent, I can now access it too. Oh, she's excited. Happy dance. I just received her email today. She just received an email today telling her the application was successful. And now she just has to wait for the CD to train her. She's going to be using a Dexcom G5. Also, G6 is passed and should hopefully be available mid-year in Australia. Okay. I hope you all got that. I'm now exhausted. Tiffany, I love you. I I think I'm going to start a podcast. It's just me and you. Uh, we're not even going to talk about anything. We're just going to talk. I'm now really leaving, for real. This is over now. Goodbye.